details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. What up? We're here. Just as a public service announcement, there's somebody in my neighborhood, this woman in my neighborhood, that for some reason, um, she's been doing construction on her house for over a year now. It's been like, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 months that she's been working on her house. Look, they build pipelines in Iraq in a matter of weeks. Okay, we're talking hundreds of miles of pipeline. They managed to build that in weeks. We put up high-rise constructions in Las Vegas in just a few short months. This woman has ostensibly had nothing done to her house but an extra room put on and a little bit of remodeling. And she's had, I I, I don't know if she's having the lawn taken out of the front or, I, I don't know. She's doing a bunch of stuff to her yard. But there's just this constant jackhammering and all this nonsense going on. And and, and listen, she's a nice woman and everything, but at some point, enough's enough with the construction. We get it. We get it. And the next person to tell me, well, uh, Mike, she's just working on her house. She's just uh, improving the value of the house and thus really helping the neighborhood. How can you really be mad at that? When it's been 14 months and she's basically done nothing, I I can get mad at it. I have that right. She's kicking up dust. It's bothering my health, okay? So I'm getting mad at it. Sorry. All right, I just had to get that off my chest. Welcome in. Uh, It's another edition. Michael Graff in exile on Monday, April 26th, 2010. 
We're here. We do this uh, little podcast for you as frequently as I can possibly muster. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address should you wish to make a most generous contribution to this program. Thank you to those of you that have done so. I, uh, I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, let's see, Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger, should you wish to fire us off a, uh, an instant message at any point. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Also hanging out on IRC, EFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel, and uh, also on Facebook, also at michaelgroff.com. So just many, many wonderful ways to get in touch with this program. I'm sure you're well aware uh, by now. Uh I'm just tired. I, I, I've been hearing this jackhammering going on all day. It's just enough already. Ugh. I should use this time right now. There's really nothing going on. I should use this time actually to take a nap. Never mind, record a podcast. want to go over there and say, all right, I have to see the Taj Mahal that you've built because clearly most of the construction must have been done underground because I'm not seeing much of a change out here. All I'm seeing is a bunch of crap being kicked up and there's a great big dumpster that's out in the middle of the street. It's just blocking half the street. And I mean, I don't mean to be a, a complaining neighbor here, okay? I don't mean to carry on incessantly like this because you know, it sounds like I'm bitching unnecessarily, but if you had to live next to this now for over a year, you'd be getting a little bit tired of it, too. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm not going to sit here and just continue to complain about that. That's uh, I could do a whole show on that. I could do a whole show on what's going on with my uh, with my personal life. I could I could sit here and carry on and on. But you don't want to hear that. You want to hear about some of the biggest news stories that are going on. Now, of course, there's a lot of news. There's what Fox News thinks is news. There's what CNN thinks is news. But really, we're not doing a Fox News or a CNN show. This is my show, and this is the stories that are on my radar. People are idiots. Everyone has their own definition of what's newsworthy. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, Mike, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I mean, well, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. But lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Groff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. Yeah, it is that time where we take a look at the big stories, according to me. Number seven. Well, a lot of sports going on this weekend. A lot of stuff. The NFL draft went on. We have ratings news on that. This might surprise you. Uh, probably not, actually. But the NFL draft in primetime was a ratings success. We got a lot of ratings news we're going to get into. Plus, the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Lakers might be in trouble. And boy, am I crying in my beer about that one. Oh, after getting blown out in game two, in game four, rather, by the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, the series is now tied two games apiece. Suns and Blazers tied two games apiece. The other series, San Antonio up 3-1 on the Mavs and uh, 3-1 the advantage for the Jazz over the Nuggets. The Eastern Conference series. Do it, does anybody even care about the Eastern Conference? But aside from the Cavs, is there really any opponent in the East that's worth talking about? 
Yeah, that that silence, that would be a resounding no. Number six. All right, the oil platform off the Louisiana coast continues to be a hot story because it's leaking oil into the Gulf. Thousands of gallons have spilled now. They're talking about using robotic subs to clean up some of the mess. Undoubtedly, it's going to take some time to get that all straightened out, but it's going to be an environmental disaster until then, and uh, we're going to have to talk about the fallout from that for sure. Number five. The fallout from Chicago violence is another big story. The What's going on in the streets of Chicago? Gun violence breaking out. Officials are looking for help, maybe from the National Guard? They can't keep the violence under control in Chicago? Huh. Um, yeah, that's a that sounds like a great idea. Let's let's turn the National Guard into the citizens. Hmm. Number four. Not a good idea if you have the last name McVeigh to drive to the site of where Air Force One was located, be heavily armed, and demand to speak to the president. <laughs> That's probably going to win you a one-way ticket to the slam for a long time. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Number three. three. Speaking of the president, he's playing the race card. Look out. He's got that in his many decks. Oh, oh boy. All right. Well, uh, Obama's trying to rally the troops, trying to get Latinos, trying to get uh, blacks, trying to get anybody he can to help support him and his party because they're going to need it in the upcoming November election. Do you sense a little bit of panic coming from the left? Really, there's panic from everybody, the left, the right. Incumbents should be panicked. Incumbents should be worried. They've done a terrible disservice to their country. And they're going to get thrown out. And people need to keep that, keep their eye on the prize with regard to this one. But Obama's freaking out and he's trying to rally the troops. Hey, good luck, buddy. Number two. 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 Well, the fallout from... A lot of fallout today. We're still talking about SB 1070. That's the Arizona Senate bill that has now been signed into law. Governor Jan Brewer signed it into law on Friday. And this gives police the ability, the tools they need to help enforce immigration law. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about what the bill does and does not do. There's a lot of talk about this, and I need to. We're gonna have to straighten a few things out because there's a lot of people that are very confused about this. It's not racist. It's not unconstitutional. But will it stand up in a court challenge? Well, that's yet to be determined because a lot of people are gonna take this all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. And they're gonna challenge the validity of this. We'll see how it all works out. Number one. Number one. Dozens of tornadoes sweep across the south from Friday through Sunday. An entire town in Mississippi, Yazoo City, is devastated. 11 people are killed there and uh, dozens and dozens of injured. The property damage is in the... Well, it's clearly well on up into the tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Um, we're talking about substantial loss of property, uh, power. Uh, people's lives are just completely turned upside down after what's taken place in Mississippi, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, all over the South and the Southern Plains after this uh, round of devastating tornadoes. And of course, well, you know what happens. The global warming nuts, they get all over this because they say this is a sign of extreme weather. I call this just another April in the United States. And those are the stories that are relevant to me. Who needs billion dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? We got to get into a lot of this because there's, there's a ton going on. And that's not even everything that I want to get into today. Those are just the top seven stories. And hopefully we at least at least talk about some of that stuff. Boy, how do we fit it all into one podcast? I have no idea. All right, more coming up. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Grob Show, the screen name. And you know all the rest. MichaelGroff.com for all of your Michael Groff needs. All right, it's Michael Groff in exile on a Monday. More coming up. Stay tuned. Segment number two. It's Michael Groff in exile on a Monday, April 26th, 2010. Oh, God. All right. Mike at KMGX.com. That would be our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show. AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, that would be M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show. AOL Instant Messenger. You know, Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address. Just just throwing it out there. You know, just uh, just uh, throwing it out there. You know, you know what I'm saying, man? Huh? How many millions will they put to sleep? 
weekend. A lot of bad stuff. But I didn't even mention another Category 6 earthquake that hit Indonesia. If there's an indication, if there is indeed a God, I believe that said God is definitely trying to send a message that Indonesia is not a good place to live. If the tsunami wasn't an indication enough and the fact that the place is just poverty-stricken nightmare, uh, not to mention the erratic climate and the follow-up, I don't know, 100 earthquakes that have occurred since the tsunami that hit there, if none of that is an indication enough, then I don't know what is. No, not in this world. I mean, really, that that was about a lot of earthquakes. Again, over the weekend, another one in Southern California. What the hell's going on? A tornado, a well. Several tornadoes hit the south over the weekend. Now, it is that time of the year, tornado season across the uh, the Midwest, the South, Central Plains, all over the place. It's uh, it's tornado season, but there's tornadoes, and then there's there's some very very powerful ones, uh, like the one that hit Yazoo City, Mississippi, over the weekend. This thing was uh, a mile wide. And pretty much destroyed the entire city of more than 10,000 people. The fact that, and, and I don't want to minimize this, but the fact that if you look at the devastation, you see 11 people were killed. It it looked like Hurricane Katrina nothing. It, it looked like somebody just dropped a bomb on the entire area. There wasn't anything left. I saw a guy that uh, ran into a church. The entire church gets knocked down except for... The guy was standing under the table, you know, with the, the pulpit there. He was, he was, he went under, he sought refuge under the table. That was the only thing that was left. Was this, like, this lectern and this table that were there. And that was it. Everything else was destroyed. Praise God, praise something. The governor says the huge damage around Yazoo City was uh, just unbelievable. Tornado nearly a mile wide ripped through much of uh, Mississippi, including Yazoo City. Now, again, just look at the video of this. This is just, it's incredible. Ten people were killed there, including three children and injuring dozens of others. The tornado struck at least 13 counties, destroying scores of homes and trapping people inside, damaging businesses, blocking highways, and uh, knocking out power to thousands, said Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Five people died in Choctaw County, four in Yazoo County, and one in Holmes County. Now, I'd heard that the death uh, toll was 11, but it says 10 here. I believe maybe that uh, other one was in Alabama. Governor Haley Barber declared a state of emergency after the first major U.S. tornado outbreak of the year. Quote, it has done huge damage around Yazoo City. Barber, who grew up in the city, told CBS television, we have fatalities, a number of people that we're still trying to rescue uh, who are trapped in buildings, but it is a major, significant tornado 
and did some huge damage and perhaps some fatalities north of here. So that's the quote from the governor. Let's see, the storm system that um, has, uh, the storm system has since moved uh, through Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, said Greg Carbon of the uh, of uh, NOAA. And uh, more tornadoes erupted in those areas, but uh, certainly none as devastating as this. That was uh, just incredibly tragic. So uh, they'll be picking up the pieces for weeks, months, uh, perhaps even years to come as a result of that. And many people did compare the damage from this system to that experience from Hurricane Katrina. Not to mention, it wasn't just tornadoes. There was uh, flash flooding, there was hail damage, and uh, straight-lined wind damage that took place across a wide swath of the south as well. Meanwhile... Um, this is uh, this is something that's just come up over the weekend, and there's been a lot of violence across uh, the city of Chicago. Two state representatives called on Governor Pat Quinn Sunday to deploy the Illinois National Guard to safeguard Chicago's streets. Chicago Democrats uh, John Fritchie and LaShawn Ford said that they want Quinn and Mayor Richard Daley and Chicago police... Um, Superintendent Jody Weiss to allow guardsmen to patrol the streets and help quell violence. Weiss said that he did not support the idea because uh, the military and police operate under different rules. Quote, is this a drastic call to action? Of course it is, Fritchie said. Is it warranted when we are losing residents to gun violence at such an alarming rate? Without question. We're not talking about rolling tanks down the street or having armed guards on each corner. But uh, he envisions that it's going to uh, heighten the presence of, uh, of military personnel on the streets, particularly in the roughly 9% of city blocks uh, where the uh, most violent crimes occur. Weiss previously identified those hot spots and said that he plans to create a 100-person team made up of selected and volunteer police personnel to respond to crimes there. If guardsmen were to assist police, they could possibly comprise or contribute to, um, to that force and hopefully cut down on the violence. Now, so far this year, 113 people have been killed across Chicago. The, the gun violence continues to escalate there. Now, uh, they're calling on the... They want the National Guard to step in, but uh, many opponents of this say, listen, the National Guard are trained to do one thing, and that's kill people. National Guard, they're not going to come in there uh, wearing their riot gear. They're not coming in there uh, just to for, for civil infractions. These are people that are going to come in there and they, the purpose is to end the nonsense. I find it odd, though, that Chicago, now wait a second, Chicago has pretty stringent gun laws. How could this be then that they would have such incredible gun crime if they have such restrictive laws on gun ownership? Well, that wait, that's, that's very baffling because I've always heard that if you have higher gun control laws, if you have strict gun control laws, gun crime goes down. 
Oh, but wait, we have all these statistics from the Department of Justice to, to say that that's actually not the case. Once again, I just have to roll out and mention that uh, some of the cities with the highest gun crimes, highest murder rates from guns, highest uh, any gun-related crime, uh, the, some of the cities that have the highest um, uh, gun crime are those that have the most restrictive gun laws. New York City, Washington, D.C., Detroit, Chicago. List goes on and on. California, a lot of cities there. Just, just, just throwing it out there. Just letting you know. So their solution is let's bring in uh, the National Guard. 113 people so far this year have been killed. Uh, interestingly enough, the number of people killed in Baghdad this year, not even close to that number. Baghdad, Tikrit, if we look all across Iraq, the number isn't even close to that. Maybe we got to pull out of Chicago. Forces out of there. Quote, as we speak, National Guard members are working side by side with our troops to fight a war halfway around the world, Fritchie said. Uh, the unfortunate reality is that we have another war that is just as deadly taking place right here in our backyard. Yeah, we do. Weiss countered that the only scenario in which the National Guard would be helpful is in the situation of a tornado, earthquake, or flood. If the military were brought in to help with city violence, they wouldn't answer to police uh, command, creating a major disconnect in the mission and the strategy. So this is um, this is a major thing, though. This is they they don't have any answers for what's going on in Chicago. God, if only the citizens there were more free to carry guns, maybe they could defend themselves against the gun crimes. Again, I'm just, listen, I'm just throwing it out there. All right. Speaking of crime and enforcement and trying to clean things up, the, uh, the story, the controversy continues over Arizona SB 1070. That's our bill that was signed by Governor Jan Brewer on Friday which gives police the ability to enforce immigration law. Uh, it gives the police the authority to um, check the immigration status of, of people that they believe may be in the country illegally. Now, uh, you had all sorts of things being said by all sorts of people, a lot of very uh, misleading statements, a lot of people that really didn't know what they were talking about, quite frankly. Uh, for example, Janet Napolitano, Miss Janet, the system worked Napolitano, who came out over the weekend. She said in an exclusive interview uh, that she agreed with President Obama's assessment that Arizona's recent immigration law is, quote, misguided. She said that the time for immigration reform, including fines and a form of biometric registration for illegal aliens as well as mandatory English has come. This is great. Quote, this affects everybody and I actually view it as a security issue. Napolitano told ABC News Friday during an exclusive interview. Uh, this was a look at the day in the life of Janet Napolitano, the Homeland Secretary, a Homeland Security Secretary. Quote, we need to know who's in the country and we need to know for those who are in the country illegally, um, there needs uh, to be a period 
under which there is a given opportunity to register and we get their biometrics. We get their criminal history and we know who they are. They pay a fine. They learn English. They get right with the law. Napolitano uh, speaking from Hyatrop, her fortress in her own universe, apparently, because I'd love to know what color the sky is there. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll just we'll get everybody we'll get all these illegals to come forward and let us know who they are and we'll put them right in the line. Uh, this was the kind of John McCain's sentiment. I mean, all of a sudden now John McCain is yeah uh, he's Mr. Maverick all of a sudden. He wants to go after the illegals, but this has always been his swan song too. He's been sitting there saying, "Well, we'll just put them in line. We'll put these illegals in line. We'll get them right. We'll get them there. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll make them learn English." Uh, we'll, we'll have them pay a fine. Yeah, right. We'll look up their criminal history. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the, the illegals are really going to cooperate. That's what they're going to do. They're going to come forward. They're going to come out of the woodwork. They're going to, you know, come out of the, uh, they're going to they're gonna want to start paying taxes on that money they're getting paid under the table. They're going to want to come forward and, and become legal U.S. citizens. Ah, uh, sure they are. No, they're not. This is the first part of the misconception. Granted, I would expect Janet Napolitano to say all this because while she was the governor of the state of Arizona, she did nothing about um, the rampant illegal problem. The only thing that she did do, the one thing that she did was sign the employer sanctions bill, which punishes businesses that knowingly hire illegals. The problem is she had no choice but to sign that because even if she didn't sign it, I'm sure her veto uh, would have had an override in the um, in the state legislature anyway. So it really didn't matter whether or not she signed the bill. She she really had to anyway. It was it was to save her own political ass. So I, I don't really view that as doing anything. She the borders were wide open. She could have used the national guard to help uh, defend the borders. She decided not to do that. God, I mean, we use our military to guard the borders of foreign nations. Other countries use their military to guard their borders, and yet somehow if we do it, it's considered racist. And that's the other part of this discussion that really needs to stop right about now. I'm tired of turning on these various shows, mostly on the left, and anytime you have any kind of opposition to illegal immigration, the flood of illegals coming over the border, anytime you want to express support for a bill like this, you're immediately branded a racist. Well, that's how you know that somebody doesn't have any kind of argument to stand on whatsoever. The minute you bring this up, they just go to, ah, you're a racist. That adds no substance to the debate. Most people that are in favor of this bill are not racists. They are people that have had enough. They've had enough of the crime brought by illegals. They've had enough of the of of the the increase in health care costs, the uh, draining of the system, the taxpayer dollars towards Social Security, welfare, food stamp, all these other benefits that illegals are getting. And don't say that they're not because they are. Identity theft is is uh, uh, one of the number one cities for identity theft is Phoenix. One of the number one cities for car theft is Phoenix. Um, kidnapping. You name it, uh, we have we have a substantial problem with crime here. Again, 30% of the crime that's committed in Maricopa County is done by illegals, okay? Something has to be done. Now, the other part of the argument that I love is when people try to tell you, well, this is a federal issue. 
this is an issue that should be handled by the federal government. Well, number one, the federal government isn't doing their job. Number two, as I've outlined on the program many times, you know, local law enforcement can enforce federal law. You don't have to have somebody from Immigration and Naturalization Services here or uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement, whatever, ICE, INS, whatever they're calling themselves these days. You don't necessarily need to have them here to enforce those laws. You don't need the Secret Service or the FBI to go after counterfeiters. You don't need those, uh, you don't need the SWAT team here to go in if somebody's holed up in their house with a bomb. You don't necessarily need the FBI to investigate uh, a major drug trafficking that's going on or, or, the, or the ATF or any of this. You know what? You don't need any of that. Local law enforcement can enforce federal law. It's been done before, and that's, that's just how it is. As a state, if we want to protect our sovereignty as a state, we have the right to do so. Period. But the most important part that I really need to emphasize about this, and the, and the thing that everybody seems to be missing, anybody from, again, uh, the usual suspects of Ed Schultz and, and Tom Hartman, Randy Rhodes, Stephanie Miller, Mike Malloy, all these people that are hosts out there on the left that are screaming, racist, racist. <clears throat> well, then, let me ask you this. Is uh, the, the federal statute, and, I, and I, I might be wrong this, but I believe, and I, I should look through this here. I, I wrote it down. I believe it's 8-1373. The federal statute that um, <clears throat> makes entering the United States a crime is really the same as this bill. Federal law enforcement officials can arrest somebody who they believe is in the United States illegally. That's a law that's already on the books. That's already a federal statute. So then why can't the state have a statute that says the same thing? The state of Arizona is only mirroring, we're only taking what's already existing and, and writing it to fit our own state statute. Is there a problem with that? We can't. We can't say uh, that that uh, that we we can't do that. Is that unconstitutional? Because if if this bill, if if SB ten seventy is found to be unconstitutional, then the federal law that bars illegals from entering the United States and that says that federal law enforcement officials, ICE agents can bust people who they believe uh, are, are coming in here illegally, then I guess that's that's against the law. Too. That's against the Constitution as well, that bill, right? They're comparing this bill to Nazi Germany and show me your papers. They think that the police are going to run up to you and say that. Couldn't be further from the truth. Anybody that says that, those are people that are just being reactionary. They clearly didn't read the bill. They may have read an article about it or they may have heard a protester say that or they they just didn't do their homework. Now, the thing about me is if I'm going to come on the air and I'm going to talk about something, I damn well am going to do my homework. I've looked at this bill, and it is very similar to the federal statute. So there's nothing that says that the state can't have its local law enforcement do this. Now, is it constitutional again? Yes. Yes, it is constitutional. Will it be challenged? Absolutely. There's already court challenges that are being drawn up for it. Will it uh, get shot down by some activist judge? It probably. 
probably. I don't see any reason why it won't. Um, we have one. You know, the employer sanctions bill was challenged as well, and it won in court. So this bill does have at least some chance of winning any kind of court challenge, but I I am at the very least skeptical. You know, you know how I feel about court challenges and, and uh, oh God, I mean, give me a break. Now, is this really the panacea? That's the question. And the answer is no. This is not the panacea. This is not the thing that's going to stop illegals from flooding into this country. If you want to stop illegal immigration, uh, the, first of all, the solution is not amnesty. That only encourages illegals to come in here. And as much as I loved Ronald Reagan and thought that he was a, a fine president, that's one of his biggest blunders as a president was giving amnesty to the illegals that were here at the time. And the talk, again, is comprehensive immigration reform. When you hear the words comprehensive immigration reform, that is code for amnesty. That's what that means. Well, we've got to take the existing people here and we're going to give them citizenship. No, you're not. Uh, you're not going to do that. I'm sorry. We're we're just we're going to fight you tooth and nail on that one. I'm certainly not going to stand for that. Oh my god. It just it bothers me so much. I I can't believe that people are challenging the state on this. Well, it's it's just misguided. And other states might start doing this. Good, I hope so. Again, you want to stop illegal immigration, and, and I'm, I was in the middle of this thought here. It's really simple. I've said it a million times on this show, and I will continue to say it. And the solution is to stop illegal immigration is turn off the free stuff. Turn off the free stuff. Turn off the incentive for the people to come here, and they will stop coming here. Yes, if, you're, if you go after with some degree of aggression, if you go after illegals, you'll chase some of them off. And it is doing something, but it really doesn't go far enough. What you have to do is you have to go after with vigor, with vigilance. You need to pursue any employer that is hiring illegal immigrants under the table. You need to take those employers and you need to Throw them in the huskow, all right? You need to lock those people away. Once you start doing that, it will dry up the supply of jobs. It will dry up the supply of employers that continue to hire illegals. And once you have accomplished that, there's not going to be jobs for them to come here for. So th there will still be people that sneak over the border. There will still be some. But the numbers will be very, very small by comparison to what they are today. Farmers hire illegals. Businesses, we know a lot of businesses, a lot of, uh, well, let's just be honest. There's, and these are businesses that have been busted. They've been raided. We know Walmart hired illegals. We know that, uh, we know that there was uh, hotels that hired illegals. We know of restaurants that hired illegals here in the Phoenix area, at least. There's a lot of businesses that have done so. Uh, we, hell, there was that, uh, I mean, I'm just, uh, the list, is, it goes on and on. What was that place? Uh, Ariba's Mexican Grill. Hell, they had a manager that was an illegal. Now, people say, well, you know, they're paying taxes at least. 
No, they're not. Illegals are hired under the table. Do you think that do you think that uh, either the employer or the illegal employee want the IRS to be tracking them? No. And and the, the illegals that are getting paid legit are people with stolen identities. Again, another crime that's brought about by illegals. You want to stop it, turn off the free stuff and go after employers that hire illegals. You do those two things, you don't need to build a fence. Offense is useless. Offense is nothing more than a physical barrier which can easily be crossed. Well, you don't think an illegal alien can climb over a fence? I don't care if you build it 20 feet high and you put barbed wire. You don't think they could dig under it? You don't think they can go around it? You know, I, the old adage was, somebody said, uh, show me a 10-foot high fence and I'll show you an 11-foot ladder. And it's true. A fence is, is worthless. Posting military at the border, that helps. But turning off the incentive for illegals to come here, that's the panacea. So to me, while I'm defending this bill because I, I understand people are frustrated by it, I don't see it as being racist. I don't see it as being unconstitutional. I see it as putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. It really is not the answer. The answer is turn off the free stuff. Go after employers. But you know what? Republicans don't want to do that and Democrats don't want to do that. That's the reality. The reality is there's very few people in Washington right now that want to go after illegal immigrants. Even people in the state of Arizona that sponsored this bill. Believe it or not. They don't really want to go after illegals. They want to go after some of them, sure. But if they really wanted to go after them, they'd target the businesses that hire them. And we did to some degree. We have the employer sanctions law, but it's been watered down somewhat. You need it to be tough. You need to set an example and let businesses know that, hey, if you break this law, you are done. You're done and you're in jail. Do you know what they do to people that sneak over into North Korea? Do you know what, do you know what they do to people there? 12 years hard labor. You know what they do to people in China? You disappear. You go into, you go into jail there. The same thing in Mexico. The same thing in Venezuela. They'll put you in the damn military. Here in the United States, we give you we give you free stuff. We give you health care. We give you a place to live. We give you a driver's license. We give you all the opportunities in the world. Hey, God bless the USA, right? Jeez. All right, we've got uh, some other stuff I want to talk about here. Oh, well, before I go to break. Let me give you some ratings news from over the weekend. You know, the NFL draft went prime time on Thursday night. Sam Bradford, of course, the overall number one pick in the draft. We've talked about it a little bit already on Friday. We talked about it, but I have I have the ratings now. You know, the NFL draft averaged a 5.5 rating. A lot of people watched the NFL draft. That always amazes me. Okay, I'm not a big fan of the NFL draft. I don't watch it. I don't care about it. Uh, talk to me in a couple of years when these people either become booms or busts in the league, okay? I, I hate 
breaking down a draft. I hate any kind of letter grade being given to a draft because you can't give a draft a letter grade. Yeah, Jacksonville looked like they had one of the worst drafts in history, uh, but God knows until wait until 2012 or 2013 to assess the 2010 draft. I mean, right now you could probably very easily grade the 2006 or 2007 draft, maybe the 2008 draft. You certainly can't grade last year's draft very accurately. You know some of the players that came out and, and have already become stars, but you can't necessarily say just because a guy didn't develop in the first year that he was in the league, that makes him a bust. Some guys are busts. You know, it takes a couple of years to determine whether or not a guy is a bust. I just hate all the analysis of the draft. That's why I don't get into the NFL draft. I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about it. It's not something that's ever been really my big area of expertise because, frankly, half of the guys that are picked in the first round hardly ever see any playing time. They they turn out to be busts. And then an additional several of them never become nearly the star that people think they are. It's very hard. And then you got guys in the sixth round, like Tom Brady was a sixth-round draft pick. So... God knows. And then there's non-roster invitees that wind up being decent players on teams. So the draft, it's it's trying to assess it and break it down. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. NBA over the weekend, uh, we mentioned this, uh, several series uh, tied up. Uh, well, the Lakers and the Thunder tied 2-2. And the Blazers and the... Suns are tied 2-2 in those uh, best-of-seven series. I got to tell you, the Blazers-Suns game on Saturday, one of the poorest officiated games I may have ever seen. And that's kind of on both sides of the ball. And I'm not going to go and break down the whole thing and, and why it is, but I'll just tell you right now, that flagrant foul that was called on Channing Fry in the fourth quarter, that was the most phantom flagrant foul call I've ever seen. Um, Tim Kempton... Suns radio color analyst, along with the legendary Al McCoy. Tim Kempton actually said on the broadcast that he thought that, he said, you know, you wonder why people question the integrity of officials in the NBA. This is clearly just a move. They're trying to lengthen the series. It's all about money. He actually said this on the radio broadcast. I give him major points for having the balls to say it, but... God, I mean, that's that's a major, major indictment just to throw out on the air like that. But after you watch the fourth quarter of that game, you'd kind of wonder as well. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't wear the tinfoil hat, okay? I'm, I'm very grounded in reality, and that's what I always have based my show on. But I have to tell you, I called out that game, that game three of the Sun Spurs series several years ago, and I was vilified for that and ridiculed for that, and I was just being a homer, and it turned out that I was quite vindicated when Tim Donaghy came about, and it was, and, and the guy was proven to be, well, he had a lot of money on the game. And you know, the first thing I said after game four of that Suns Blazers series, I said, I wonder who had 30 large on the game. That was horrible. Horrible. And then at the end, to make it look a little bit more credible, then uh, the Blazers got called uh, for several fouls that were ticky-tack, if not completely phantom. So again, both sides of the ball. And, and make no mistake, the Suns deserve to lose the game. I don't want to get away from that point. They played like crap. 
Uh, Steve Nash, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why he insisted on walking the ball up out of backcourt. I don't know why uh, the Suns weren't you know running like they normally do. I don't know why the offense was so stagnant. I don't know why they played into the Blazers' hands. I don't get it. Uh, Brandon Roy came back, and I know that was a big boost to the Blazers, but come on. Uh, that The Suns' play was terrible, but then you, you tack on the bad officiating on top of that, and uh, we, we, have, we have major problems here. Okay, major, major issues. I know I've got them. If I had to also offer up another conspiracy theory, or at least something that just made me scratch my head, Kobe Bryant taking zero shots in game four of the Lakers-Thunder game on, uh, on Saturday night. Kobe Bryant took zero shots in the game. Well, zero shots in the first quarter. He had six shots at halftime. He was three of six at the half. You mean to tell me that Kobe Bryant... I, talk about conspiracy theory stuff. He had some assists. I understand. Maybe he was trying to get his team involved. Maybe he was pouting. I have no idea. You can't tell me that he was covered that well, that he couldn't take a single shot. This is the guy that if he doesn't put up 40 shots in a game, you wonder what the hell happened. The other two series in the Western Conference, and really most of the games in the playoffs have been dogs. They've been bad games. Last night, the Mavericks, uh, they were up by 14 points in the third quarter, and they couldn't hold off the Spurs. The Spurs come back. They take a commanding three games to one lead. And Mark Cuban, after all of his comments about the Spurs following game one, well, uh, maybe maybe Mark Cuban ought to shut his mouth because now his team is on the brink of elimination, and that could come down. When is the next? I, I think game five is tomorrow in that series. I might be wrong. And the Jazz uh, Nuggets series, that has not really been all that competitive. Game one was not bad, but uh, the Nuggets, well, they're behind the eight ball now, and uh, they're down three games to one. In the Eastern Conference, I guess people care about the Eastern Conference. Cavs, well, they thumped the Bulls yesterday. Three games to one, they have the advantage in that series, the Cavs do. LeBron James looked uh, pretty good, huh? Yeah, that guy, I guess he can sort of play basketball. I've heard. It's the rumor. Uh, The Celtics, well, they couldn't take care of the Heat. And the Heat uh, on the back of Dwayne Wade, 46 points. And the Heat roll the Celtics. And uh, they survive for at least one more day, uh, down now three games to one. Orlando, well, they're playing such an inferior opponent that can't hit the broadside of a barn. Uh, Charlotte is just... How'd they get in the playoffs? Well, that tells you how bad the Eastern Conference really is. Charlotte got in the playoffs, and they're clearly being beaten by a team that's not even really that good. Um, They're down three games to none. That is not a competitive series. That's going to be over. Mercifully, that'll be over soon. And then um, you have the Hawks and the Bucks. Uh, Somehow, boy, the Bucks just came back, and and they won. What did they win by? Like 32 points or something on, uh, on Saturday night. So... A lot of these games have not been very competitive. It's blowouts one way or the other. I mean, the Suns-Blazers series, game one was close. Game two was a blowout. Game three a blowout. Game four was close until the very end. Uh, But that was just, that was a game that set officiating in the NBA back at least 50 years. The Lakers-Thunder series, uh, only one game there has really been uh, incredibly competitive. Well, I don't know. I guess there's maybe... Maybe game three was, it was competitive for a while anyway. That was not a bad game. 
All right, so that's a look at that. The NHL, uh, we do have a game seven in the first round. That's the Red Wings coming back to the desert to take on the Coyotes. That'll be tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Pacific time will be when the puck drops in that series. Game seven. Man, uh, game six was great. The Coyotes got a shorthanded goal. Uh, then they scored on three of six power plays in the game. The Coyotes went 0 for 19 previous to that, in, um, and and they actually found the net in the power play. Wow. That's something else. And Bruce Gala, well, he, he looked great. Uh, what did he have? 31 saves in the game yesterday. So a, a good effort by the Coyotes, a team that clearly, look, the Red Wings should win this series. They're the team that has the better talent. Uh, combined, they have 35 championship rings compared to just two for everybody on the Coyotes. So you're talking about uh, a major difference in talent and experience in the playoffs. But, you know, sometimes it's just the determination. It's who's playing better at the time. It's about goaltending. It's just a number of intangibles. And that's what makes the NHL playoffs even that much better. It's it's completely unpredictable. Home ice advantage doesn't necessarily mean anything. It really doesn't. So I was uh, I'm liking that. Now as comp- comparing the ratings, and this is the most stifling thing that I found. So the ratings for the NFL draft. Well, first of all, I'll give you the ratings for uh, for the NBA playoffs over the weekend. You'd think with all the major markets in there, Chicago, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Miami, you know, pretty good size, if not major markets. Ratings are pretty bad, though. Most of these are in the threes, like 3-5, The NFL draft, primetime, Thursday night, drew a 5.5. A 5.5. You mean to tell me that people would rather watch a bunch of teams picking college kids, mo- half of which at least will not amount to anything at all, mostly kids that people don't even know who they are. They'd rather watch that than the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs. That is a serious indictment on those on uh, on the NBA and the NHL. On the other hand, that is a, that's serious props for the NFL. I know people watch the draft. I get it. But I mean, let's face it. Do you really know? Do do a lot of you know anything about, uh, especially, never mind the first round. Do you know who a lot of these guys in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds are? Do you know who these guys are? Really? Do you follow the game that closely? Most people, the casual fan doesn't. And yet the casual fan, that's the guy that's watching the draft. Now I realize on Thursday night, there's really, there's nothing to watch. Okay, I get it. Friday night's the same thing, but come on. Of all the things you're going to watch, I'd much rather watch a baseball game than, than the NFL draft. Of course, I'd watch the I'd watch a baseball game over just about anything myself. But that is a serious indictment on the, uh, <laughs> on the NBA. Wow. All right. Take a uh, quick break here, time out, and we'll come back with more. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. It's also our PayPal address where you can send a donation to this program. Every dollar. It does help keep the show on the air, believe it or not. I know. It's 
I wouldn't lie about that. AOL Instant Messenger, our screen name is Michael Graff Show. You can always uh, drop us a line, send us a message. I do appreciate that when you do. We're on Facebook. We're on stuff. Where else are we? Well, michaelgroff.com, of course. And EFNet IRC, the channel net radio. You can always uh, drop us a line over there as well. These ratings, that's... Well, the NHL, never mind. They're in the the crapper with those ratings. That's too bad. Even I'm into it. Even I'm into the hockey playoffs. I'm watching. I'm... I was in here the other day. I had the game on. I actually had the radio uh, play-by-play on. Bob Heathouse. All right, more coming up. Michael Graff in Exile returns in a moment.
a whole different experience when you hear the acoustic version, but hey, we're back. Uh, third and final segment of Michael Graff in Exile on a Monday. Song needs that. It needs more grunting. This is just some friendly advice. If your last name is McVeigh, probably it would be a bad idea to do anything that breaks the law. A worse idea, however, for you to drive your vehicle to where Air Force One was after Barack Obama was there and be a heavily armed man hoping to get an audience with the president because, well, you'll get an audience, all right. It just won't ever be with the president. I can assure you that. Police in Asheville, North Carolina arrested a man, they say, was impersonating a police officer at the city's airport after President Barack Obama flew out of town on Sunday. Joseph McVeigh, 23, was being held on a charge of going... <laughs> my God. Of going armed to the terror of the public, according to the, um, the Booncombe County Jail's Booking office. McVeigh's bail was set at $100,000, Officer Donna Player told CNN. Journalists saw police uh, handcuff the man into an Asheville Regional Airport police car and take him to the, uh, at the facility's parking lot after Obama's plane departed following the first family's weekend vacation on the western North Carolina mountains. Ah, nothing like getting away to good old Asheville, North Carolina. Airport police captain Kevin Smith said that the suspect was driving a car that was made to look like a law enforcement vehicle with working lights and sirens. He would provide no further details about the suspect, but emphasized that the president was never in any danger. Additional charges are pending against the nut job. How about that? The president on vacation again, huh? That's good. Um, hey, uh, look, um, going to Asheville, North Carolina, that's, that's a good old place to go down there in Asheville, North Carolina. Here, doggies. Boy, um, if I was making a top 1,000 list of vacation spots, I don't think Asheville, North Carolina would make it in. Other cities that would make it in before Asheville, North Carolina would probably include, but would not be limited to, Sumatra. <laughs> it's not really a city. But yeah, Sumatra. Uh, I would rather go to um, Riyadh. I'd much rather go to Dubai, to Crete, 
I don't know, probably Lima, Peru. All places I would much rather go than uh, go, <laughs> they go to Asheville, North Carolina. Listen, there's nothing against North Carolina. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to come across as being a, a big city snob here. It's just that I would probably, um, well, my my attention span would probably uh, last about 10 minutes in Asheville. I'd be like, wow, you guys have a lot of trees here. What else? Well, we got ourselves some squirrels and some possum. Yeah. And uh, that there barn over there looks pretty neat. Yeah. Mm. You want me to play along with a little banjo for you? I could probably do that for you and, and all that, but, you know. Wow. Well, uh, no thanks. I'll just vacation anywhere else. Yeah, I'd probably rather go to Winnemucca, Nevada. I'm just I'm, I'm running through my top 1,000 list. Bozeman, Montana. I would go there before I went to Asheville, North Carolina. Pisic, North Dakota. Beautiful rugby, North Dakota. In fact, every city in North Dakota before I would go to Asheville, North Carolina. And listen, if the president thinks it's a good place to go, then that's fine. I mean, listen, the guy should know his vacation by now. Should I, is this a good time to point out that the president has uh, gone on more golf excursions already in his first, uh, just over a year, in his four, first 14, 15 months in office than George Bush did in his entire eight years in office? He's been on more golfing outings. I know people are going to say, well, you know, Mike, uh, now is not the time to point that out. I know. I'm just saying the media pointed it out every time George Bush went on vacation. And somehow uh, the media fails to address um, every time the president has one of these golfing outings or goes and plays hoops with a reporter or goes on vacation. You know, if, if Bush did it, I, I mean, it was front page news and he wasn't doing his job. And, and I don't know, with the economy not doing so well, I uh, I just think. Why have the double standard? You know, my feelings on this have always been, I don't care if the president goes on vacation. He's still the president of the United States. He still can get his briefings. He can do anything just as well from Asheville, North Carolina, or Valentine, Nebraska, or Nome, Alaska. Okay, he can do his job equally well from any one of those locations as he can from the White House. So whether or not he's on vacation doesn't bother me. It, it truth it really doesn't. The 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 only thing that bothers me is is the double standard in the media. That's always bothered me. But there's no surprise there. And uh, kind of another sad story and this is um very unfortunate. Brett Michaels, the lead singer of Poison Forty-seven years old, had a brain hemorrhage, and he is in critical condition. Doesn't look good. This happened on, uh, I believe, on Friday. I was in about fifth, sixth grade when this became really popular. I think I was in sixth grade when this was number one. I hope I hope the guy pulls out of it. I hope the guy's going to be all right, but 
Doesn't look good. Poison had some good tunes. I wasn't a huge, huge fan. I know a lot of a lot of chicks were because I guess Brett Michaels was something to look at. I wouldn't know. I'm a guy. I, I don't know these things. But 47 years old. Wow. It's just sad. Yeah, they had a lot of good hits. Here's here's another good here's another good tune. We have a few tunes in the library from Poison. We have the hits anyway. Everything works out for him. Good tunes. Poison. All right, coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we'll try and cover more of the stuff that, well, we didn't get to today. And uh, we'll probably take a look at the pop chart at some strategic point this week. Don't know if that'll be tomorrow or if we'll hold off until later in the week, but... I don't know. It's it's always something that uh, we have at our disposal. I'm just warning you. I'm I'm trying to uh, give you the the warning so you know that that it is very possible we're gonna we'll bust out the pop chart on you tomorrow. So uh, be warned. It could happen. Maybe we should compare. We should take a look at the at the pop chart and then we should look at another chart just to see if. There's better music to be found out there. I'm, I can guarantee you the answer is yes. Yes, there is, definitively. Maybe not on the Christian chart, but there is better music to be found out there. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Graf Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Again, uh, if you want to send us some uh, cash via PayPal, we would appreciate it. You know, Mike at KMGX.com. That's the PayPal address as well. Otherwise, enjoy the podcasts. Uh, we, we try to keep them coming for you. 
on iTunes at michaelgraff.com and everywhere else. If, if you ever, you know, are lost, you need to find the podcast. I mean, you're listening to it now, but, you know, you need to just alert your friends to it, a quick way to link to it. michaelgraff.com slash podcast slash michaelgraff.xml. I think that's pretty easy. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Got to go watch the uh, the playoffs and yell at some officiating. That's what I do. That's how I roll. All right. See you next time. Good night, everybody.